another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. You can scream and you can holler. Hi, folks. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't dictate it, it is almost always the case on my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Today is Wednesday, February 18th, but this is the podcast for Thursday, February 19th, because I got out of sync this week. And... uh, Uh, Fortunately, though, a day ago, I got to sit down and read an article that I'm going to splice into uh, to this podcast. More on that in a minute. Today's show is going to be about state sovereignty and states' rights. And if that sounds boring, if it sounds like history, give me a chance. I'm going to make this as interesting and entertaining for you as I can. And it's important that we start to understand as a nation that we do not have to allow the federal government to continue to conduct business as usual. Now, you might be, if you were sitting in 1995, you might have said, well, I'm not happy with the federal government, but business as usual is, well, it's working. The problem that we have is that we've come a long way since 1995. In 14 years, roughly, we've watched the size of the federal government quadruple. We've watched more and more freedoms be taken away. And now we've watched the federal government give the people of the United States the middle finger. They, they, they've stood up collectively and said, we don't care what you want. We've had three Republicans in the Senate cross the line. It doesn't even matter, though. If all the Republicans held out and somehow the Democrats still got this done, it's still all of them. It's still all of them collectively because there were so many phone calls. There were so many emails to both sides saying, do not do this. Do not spend our money this way. We do not want this. There is very little support for the stimulus bill that was just passed and signed into law. The president has already lied to our face multiple times now. And you can you know, go back to Bush, and I don't care. I wasn't a big fan of Bush either. Let's not go there. Let's think about today. All right. Barack Obama promised us he would give us five full days to review any bill before he signed it into law after it came out of the Congress. We did not get that with the stimulus. Lie. Barack Obama came on national TV while the bill was being debated, told Americans to our face, to our face, that there wasn't one pet project in this bill. Lie to our face and told the American people if your opinion is that the government should stay out of this and let the economy correct itself, your opinion didn't count. That is also a freaking lie. Your opinion counts. Just because you're like 48% instead of 52% does not mean your opinion doesn't count. That statement is unconstitutional. The the foundation of our country is majority rule and minority rights. So we're going to talk about this today. And I'm going to try to make this interesting. I'm going to try to make this exciting because I'm going to tell you about what some states are doing right now in their state legislatures 
I'm going to tell you about three states in particular that are getting somewhere. But before I do, what I want to talk to you about is just a few announcements. Number one, tomorrow tune in. I'm going to give away two beautiful writing pens made out of 308 shell casings and hand-turned mesquite wood from Mystic Wood Turning. A gentleman was kind enough to donate them. He doesn't have a very large company. He doesn't have a forum thread. Tomorrow when I give, or actually it's Friday, right? So it is tomorrow, as far as y'all are concerned. Tomorrow when I give them away, I'll also put a link to the thread on the forum with a picture and how to get in touch with this guy if you want to buy one if you don't happen to win one. But tune in tomorrow. You can win one of these pens. The next thing I want to do is I want to encourage you to be involved in our forum. Our forum is growing every day. And our forum is, in membership, smaller than just about every other survival forum out there. Survivalist boards, zombie hunters, all of them. I would absolutely say we have less members. But what I would tell you is we're probably the fastest growing survival-minded forum online. Well over a thousand members. Number two, our members are real members. We have a vicious squad of moderators. And if your account doesn't get activated because you don't click on a link to activate your account, if you never activate your account, or if you are a spammer, your account gets deleted. And we have deleted over a thousand accounts, and yet we're still up well over a thousand members. I think we're 1,300, 1,400 members now. Uh, didn't even check today. Alright. The other thing about our forum is it's extremely active with extremely knowledgeable people, many of whom who have been listening to this show for over six months back when it sucked because I had to do it with absolutely no decent audio equipment whatsoever, and I basically had a, uh, a small MP3 recorder built into a cheap camera sitting in my lap was how I started doing this show. These folks have been around a long time. They're dedicated, and they will help you figure out your own situations, and they'll give you plenty of advice. The storehouse of freely available, downloadable PDF information from government organizations and things like that alone on preparedness and survival and planning alone is probably worth worth a fortune if somebody put it together and said, here, it's all consolidated for you. I want to sell you access to it. Uh, but it's there. It's consolidated, and you don't have to pay for it. So please get involved with our forum. You can do that at the survivalpodcast.com. The next thing I have to tell you is some guy posted a bunch of comments this morning that I can only call anti-Semitic. I deleted them all. If you make anti-Semitic comments in the blog, and I mean hateful anti-Semitic comments, not just something like, you know, Israel did this. I'm talking about, you know, blah, blah, bloody, bloody, blah, 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 Jew, right? Deleted them all. Don't make comments like that. If you're that person, don't listen to my show. I, I don't care enough about my listener numbers to want you if you're that kind of person. If you hate anybody for the color of their skin or their faith or anything else like that, don't listen to me right now. Turn it off. Go away. Do not come back. Do not comment. Do not be involved. I do not want you. This is a time for unification in America, not hate. Not us against them. We the people taking control of our nation. Alright? And I can't be any more clear than that. And the survivalist community gets a bad rap for being, you know, extremists or white supremacists or whatever. Not going to happen here. Not allowed here. Done. 
The next little announcement I want to make, I think I just want to test this concept. I'm thinking about putting together for P. I've been asked, you know, can we give you donations, whatever. I've always turned it down. I've not sought any kind of major uh, uh, sponsorship financially or anything like that yet. And I started kicking around the idea, and I've done this in some other other areas with, with Internet marketing and stuff like that, putting together kind of an insider's members area only, uh, like a, a show boosters club, for lack of a better term, and keeping the the cost as low as possible, uh, maybe something like five bucks a month. Uh, which, if you think about how many shows I do a month, that comes out to about 25 cents a show. And uh, I, I don't know that I would even feel bad about asking for that just as a flat-out, you know, hey, if you want to support the show, do five bucks a month. But what I want to do is create a members-only area-only uh, login account, things like that, and put some additional things that are just for members back there. I'm thinking about once we get up to 150 shows, taking the first 100 and archiving them off and only members would have access to the early shows unless they've already downloaded them or whatever. Uh, something like that. Uh, along with doing quite a bit of video this year on what's going on in my backyard, what's going on in my retreat, some things about fishing, doing some video education on survival mentality, making compost, all that jazz, but all the videos would go in the members only area. And it's not because I don't want to share that with everybody else, it's just because if I'm going to ask for money from the audience, that I want to give the people that contribute something else. And I'm also looking to having some kind of a really cool uh, badge with like a number and, and something like that program to where you can cut and paste that into uh, you know any website or form thread that says you're a supporting member of the Survival Podcast and, and actually has like your membership number and things like that where it's, uh, it's dynamic and it comes off of our server so that only people that really are could actually display it. And if any of you guys, a lot of you guys use the military signatures prior service military militarysignatures.com guy and if, if you've been in the military go by that site and check it out he's got a free service and a paid service and it's really cool and it's a good way to show your uh, you know show your prior service and something along those lines and you'll see them in the forum all the time if you if you're not familiar with them just look for these uh, rectangular badges that, that display maybe a guy's rank in his service branch and some other things like that something like that but more like a cool little round thing uh, so just something like that, maybe try to find some other things. I was even thinking of doing once a month a conference call for insiders only. We record it. You guys get to be on it. You guys get to participate. It gets stored in the back office. And we actually will publish that for the general audience later, but they won't be on the call. So that's the kind of thing I'm thinking of. I just want to hear from you if you think it's a good idea, if you would be willing to support it, if you think it's a fair price for that type of a service. I, I really happen to. So enough of that. Let's get on with going on to today's topic, which is going to be individual state sovereignty. And what I talked about yesterday was the fact that New Hampshire had drafted a resolution. And I, I had gotten the impression from hearing this on TV that it had passed. And I don't know that it's, now I'm not sure if it's passed, if it's coming up for a vote, what its chances of being signed are. Uh, but it seems like it's got real momentum in New Hampshire. And basically it says to the federal government, to hither thou shalt come and no further. You've come far enough, and we're not going to tolerate it anymore. You will no longer subvert the Constitution, specifically the Tenth Amendment, and invoke powers upon the state of New Hampshire that you do not have the authority to invoke, which is what you've been doing for a hundred years. 
and we're done. And I looked around, and it turns out there's as many as 20 other states with similar, similar resolutions in draft. And uh, But the three that are kind of the most active are New Hampshire, Arizona, and Oklahoma. Those three states seem to have fairly broad measures uh, that are very specific, telling the federal government, basically, screw off. We're not going to allow you to subvert the sovereignty of our individual states any further. I want to point out, this is not an act of secession. This is not Civil War II. And first of all, Civil War II uh, would be wrong, and the Civil War is a wrong name for the war. A civil war is when two sides of a nation fight control for control of the nation. In other words, if the, the West Canadians broke away from the North Canadians, uh, or the East Canadians, and then they both decided, we want to control all of Canada, and they fought for control of the entire nation, that is a civil war. The war between the U.S. states was a war for independence, not a civil war. That's a lie that's been written into our history books. And it's important that we understand that. Because we hear about civil wars other places in the world, and we think, oh, we had a war like that once. No, we didn't. The South was not fighting for control of the North. They didn't want control of the North. They wanted to break up into their own confederacy, run their own country as a confederation of sovereign states, and go about their business. So that's, that's the reality there. Now... What we need to look at today, though, is do these resolutions have any legs? Can they get anywhere? And I would have said, if this was going on two years ago, no, they can't. Right? No, they can't. And the reason was people were too comfortable, people were too happy. People were angry with Bush, and they were making little resolutions to impeach Bush and all this other nonsense and garbage. But, overall... They were happy. Their balances in their 401k were high. Their temperature of the water in their pool was good. And the government didn't seem to be doing anything that directly affected them. There were people bitching about the Patriot Act, but people would look at it and go, yeah, I'm upset about it, this doesn't seem right, but yet I don't see anybody tapping my phone and nobody's bothering me. And even the dope heads that were selling pot to each other went, yeah man, they're no bothering us. So everybody kind of looked around and just said, it's business as usual, we're pissed off. And something else happened about two years ago. The crappy immigration bill came up. And people from all over the country called in and said, don't you do it. John McCain tried to do it. Nancy Pelosi tried to do it. Ted Kennedy tried to do it. But the majority of the Senate and the majority of the House eventually listened to the will of the people. And for a shining moment in time, the people took a big, deep sigh and said, it still works. They're still listening to us. And then Obama came and Obama said, yes, we can. And folks, I think that we might be about to turn that message around and shove it right back into the face of the government and from the people to the government say, yes, we can. And 
not with a bunch of singing children praising the dear leader Obama. And if you haven't seen that video, folks, go look it up. Look for Kathy Swata on YouTube, and it'll make you want to vomit. I can't believe you haven't seen that if you've been paying attention, but go look at that. It was during the election. So what has happened now that's different? Well, the bailout bill one for the banks came up, and people called their congressman, and people called their senator, and they said, don't do this, and there was no public support for this. People didn't want it. And the government told the people to shove it up our asses collectively. And then came the auto bailouts. And again, the people called, and the people said, don't do it. And the government shoved it up our asses. And then Inauguration Day came, and we got a new president, and a new Congress, and a new Senate. And we said, a new day has done. Hope and change has come to America. And this stimulus bill, this stinkulous bill, comes up, which again, if you are an Obama Kool-Aid drinker, and you think this is wonderful, understand, it is not Barack Obama's bill. This thing was planned by the Bush administration and handed to Obama. The general outline, the numbers, the places where the money was supposed to go, not the specifics, not the Washington Lawn Mall and all this other crap, but the general parameters of this bill were put together by a Republican, slightly Republican-controlled House and George Bush. So do you still think it's a good idea if you're an Obama Kool-Aid drinker? And if you do, I can't help you. But most people didn't. And we called, and we yelled, and we screamed, and we pleaded, and we said, don't do it. And a third time, we got the middle finger from our government. And it's not two years ago anymore. And people are mad. People are upset. And people are pissed off. And these states are starting to lay down a line in the sand and say, you know what? No more. And now we just have to see if the governors of those states and the collective legislatures of those states have the stones to stand up and keep it going. And with that, I'm going to pause and I'm going to splice in the article that I found yesterday that I read that is just an outstanding article. It's going to take about ten minutes. Uh, it's, not, it's not going to be me at all. At the end, I'm going to have some conjecture and my opinion and my view, and then I'm going to come back and wrap up the show. So I'm uh, I'm still in the mobile studio here, but I am stationary and parked. And uh, I'm going to read this uh, article to you uh, by a lady named Barbara Milton, who is a natural health editor of all things for a place called Natural News. And uh, the reason I'm going to read her article, even though it's got some opinion in it and some conjecture, and even though in the end it ends up being kind of a Ron Paul advocacy piece, uh, one, I, does anybody here would know I'm a big uh, fan of Ron Paul, but two, of everything I could find on this New Hampshire resolution and other states, this is the best write-up I've seen, and it's very well written, and, and, and Miss Milton uh, should be very proud of this article. So again, her name is Barbara Milton. She's a natural health editor for naturalnews.com, and I will put a link to this actual source article um, on the, uh, the show notes. So here we go. It's a pretty long article. It's going to take up a lot of the podcast. Again, I think it's worth it. Nine state legislatures have either passed or introduced bills intended to reaffirm their state sovereignty as laid out in the Ninth and Tenth Amendments of the Constitution. Another 20 states are expected to introduce similar measures this year. 
While the ramifications of these resolutions are still uncertain, one thing is clear. People are sick and tired of the federal government's usurpation of power not granted to it by the Constitution. They've had enough of fear-based economic terrorism, underhanded promotion of policies and procedures that bypass public scrutiny and the will of the people. Hearing that the Obama administration is pushing for an immediate passage of nearly $1 trillion deficit spending plan without even allowing time for legislators to read the 1,400-page document may be the last straw. Some who have read parts of the package have found it to be slanted toward more Democratic-supported social welfare programs, as well, well as laying the groundwork for sweeping health care reform that should be subject to scrutiny and debate by the people. It's time to resurrect the Tenth Amendment. The Constitution applies to the federal government. Its sole purpose is to spell uh, out what the federal government can do. Today, even the most casual review of the federal government activities makes it clear there's very little that it does which is actually authorized by the Constitution. The Tenth Amendment states, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states' respect or to the people. It means that the federal government is authorized to exercise only those powers which are specifically given to it by the Constitution. The Tenth Amendment is despised by those who suck the mother's milk of big government because it was drafted to enshrine the Constitution what the founders in the original states had learned from experience, that small, limited government is the best government. With power grab after power grab, the Congress and the President have discarded uh, the Tenth Amendment. The average American now seems to believe that the mandate to govern resides with the federal government, and apparently the executive branch as well as the legislators believe this too. Under the Constitution, the central government has only one mandate, to protect the inherent rights of the people, yet the federal government of today seems to have nothing but contempt for the rights of the people. For too long, Americans have allowed their politicians to interpret and bend the rules of the Constitution. This has gone on so long that the unchecked, self-anointed power of politics has allowed them to believe that the Constitution is no longer relevant and that they are above any laws. The resolutions reaffirming state sovereignty are the first steps in an attempt to put the federal government back in its place as intended by the Constitution. Text of resolutions reveals the extent of the push for state sovereignty. Some of the resolutions reveal full-blown efforts to regain lost sovereignty. Others appear to be testing the waters, as though their state's legislators may just be awakening from a long slumber. Missouri's version takes aim at a specific policy decision made by the Obama administration, the Federal Freedom of Choice Act, a sweeping reform intended to make abortion a legal alternative in all 50 states. According to the Missouri resolution, Whereas the Federal Freedom of Choice Act would nullify any federal or state enacted, adopted, or implemented before, on, or after the date of enactment, and would effectively prevent the state of Missouri from enacting similar protective measures in the future, the members of the House of Representatives of the 95th General Assembly hereby declare our sovereignty under the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States over all power, and hereby declare our sovereignty under the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States over all powers not otherwise enumerated or granted to the federal government by the Constitution of the United States. The Arizona Bill is a broad statement of the right to sovereignty and its ability to supersede any other action claiming sovereignty under the Tenth Amendment. 
Quote, overall powers not otherwise enumerated and granted to the federal government by the Constitution of the United States, that, it, that this resolution serves as notice and demand to the federal government as our agent to cease and desist effective immediately mandates that are beyond the scope of these constitutionally delegated powers. That all compulsory federal legislation that directs states to comply under threat of civil or criminal penalties or sanctions or requires the state to pass legislation or lose federal funding be prohibited or repealed, end quote. New Hampshire Concurrent Resolution 6 is a direct statement of the desire for sweeping change, stating any act by Congress of the United States executive order of the President, which assumes power not delegated to the government of the United States of America by the Constitution, shall constitute a nullification of the Constitution of the United States of America by the federal government. End quote. This resolution goes on to state several cases, including further infringement on the right to bear arms, which would cause the state to invoke these measures. The resolution from the state of Washington's House of Joint Memorial 4009 is less aggressive but as broad in scope, taking the form of a cease and desist warning that serves as a, quote, notice and demand to the federal government to maintain the balance of powers where the Constitution of the United States established it and to cease and desist effective immediately any and all mandates that are beyond the scope of its constitutionally delegated powers. A resolution is not law. A resolution resolution is a statement, not a binding law. Just because these resolutions were proposed does not mean they represent consensus in the state legislature. Like the various resolutions for Bush's impeachment, resolutions may not reflect the beliefs of the majority of state legislators. Still, the fact that two states, California and Georgia, have already passed their versions of state sovereignty may be setting the states for secession down the road if the federal government continues to show its scorn for the Constitution. The Oklahoma resolution has already passed in the House and is awaiting a vote in the state senate to be codified Ron Paul's campaign for liberty is a beacon for convergence. Texas Congressman Ron Paul's campaign for liberty is fighting its state legislators across the country and in Congress to preserve and restore the constitutional rights of all citizens to subdue an out-of-control federal government and to win back America's lost freedom. Born from Congressman Paul's 2008 presidential campaign, the organization offers unity to those who would otherwise be left to fight alone in this big government run amok. Members of the campaign are directly responsible for Oklahoma's revolution, a resolution that, quote, the state of Oklahoma hereby claims sovereignty under the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution of the United States over all powers not otherwise enumerated and granted to the federal government by the Constitution of the United States, that this serves as notice and demand to the federal government as our agent to cease and desist effective immediately mandates that are beyond the scope of these constitutionally delegated powers, end quote. Ron Paul advocates complete reinstatement of the Constitution. Ron Paul demands reinstatement of the full power of the Constitution as the overriding document outlining the principles for government of the United States. He upholds that the Constitution establishes a system of shared limited power between three branches of the federal government while reserving most government power for the states themselves. The primary importance of the Constitution rests in its power to limit the power of the federal government. The Constitution does not empower government or grant rights 
rights. It simply restricts government in order to safeguard pre-existing inherent rights. According to Congressman Paul, the principle of limited government enshrined in the Constitution, which limits government both domestic and foreign affairs, has not changed over time. What has changed is the willingness of the people to ignore that principle. The history of the 20th century reveals that the Constitution has been violated most egregiously during times of crisis, such as now being experienced. In fact, the Constitution itself was conceived at a time of great crisis when its founders sought to escape the tyranny of big government. He understands that most of the worst excesses of big government can be chased to disregard for states' rights, which means a disregard for the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. Those who would dismiss the Constitution as no longer relevant are ignoring the link between the wisdom of the founders of the U.S. and the freedom and prosperity Americans still enjoy today. America is not prosperous and relatively free merely by accident. It's prosperous and free because we still retain the vestiges of the constitutional system of limited government, with its emphasis on property rights and the rule of law. Absolutely outstanding piece of writing, in my opinion. Again, uh, Miss Milton really kind of uh, made this a, a campaign piece, I guess, for Ron Paul's uh, Campaign for Liberty, but I can't fault that. And at least it gives us an idea now of what's really going on with some of these state resolutions, some of the states that have actually passed the resolutions on to their governors, and many of them where they're just simply somebody in government making a statement. I think that this really is a place for us to focus some efforts, folks. I think that if we want to make a difference in this country, what we're going to have to do is start sending a message to the federal government that you work for the people, and I think they've forgotten that. And I really want to start trying to track down the individual legislators in these states, across the United States, and find the people pushing these. Get their names, and then I want us to start, we, we send plenty of emails, and make plenty of phone calls to our, our clowns, and we tell them how upset we are, and how pissed off we are, and how we want them to do the right thing, and how we're going to fire their ass the next time we get a chance. Well, it's time to turn the tables and start making some calls and saying thank you to the people that are willing to stand up and start doing the hard work and start doing the hard fights. Uh, What I see here is not an act of secession. I see it an act of affirmation that we already have these rights, we already have these principles, we've allowed the federal government to run amok like a big bully for a long time, And some of the states, thank God, are finally starting to say, you know what, no more. And it's what I've been talking about since the beginning of this podcast. When that greedy bully puts his hand in the cookie jar yet one more time, smack, get your hand out, you can't have any more, you're done. You're too fat, go outside and exercise. Because that's what our government's turning into. Every time they need more money, they go back to the cookie jar. And ladies and gentlemen, that's your pocket and mine, and I for one have had enough. And it seems like, it seems like this is not a publicity stunt. It seems like this is not an act. It seems like there are genuine people that have run for state office across our nation that are starting to say, hey, wait a minute. I came here to do a job. I promised the people of my district that I'm going to do a job, and damn it, I'm going to do that job. And part of that job is ensuring their liberty. It's not cutting taxes, building a new road, building a school. All those things are important. All those things have some limited function with government. But the real job of our legislators is to make sure that our rights are not freaking infringed upon. And it seems like this is a roadmap. 
to letting them know we've had enough. And I want to know from you, my audience, have you had enough? Are you sick of this? Have you been brainwashed into believing in any way that this stimulus package that's going to make us go an additional trillion dollars in debt when it's signed about 30 minutes from the time I'm recording this piece of the, this podcast, we become a trillion dollars deeper in debt for a 790 billion dollar stimulus package. However the hell that works. But I listened to an economist this morning explaining it. That's how it works. The data is decide we need to raise a trillion dollars from foreign sources. And we've been getting most of our money from Japan. And they don't have it because they're in a freaking depression. Have you had enough? Have you had enough? Yes or no? And if you've had enough, let's get on board and let's help these people out. So... I hope that that was worth your time to listen to. And again, I think we really should applaud this author. And if anybody can get in touch with her and let her know that she was featured on the show, I think that would be great. I'd like her to know that. I really don't know how. But what I was saying there is I want to find out the people behind this. And I want to pat them on the back. I want to tell them they're doing a good job. And I want us to help them do a good thing. And my view is if these three states, New Hampshire, Arizona, and Oklahoma, can really draw the line in the stand, it will embolden the other states that are currently considering these things to stand up and do the same thing. And maybe my sorry rhinos down here in Texas will get up their ass and start listening to the people of Texas. So it just sounds like something that, you know, actually it did come from Texas, because apparently Ron Paul's kicked this thing off. I don't know, uh, maybe Ron needs to make some phone calls to some good conservatives in the state of Texas. I think we have a libertarian in the Texas House. Where, where, where's our resolution like this? Um, I'm going to see if I can kick some things off down here for that. But if we can get New Hampshire, Arizona, and Oklahoma to really start to put some momentum behind this and start to put some teeth into it, and once the resolutions are passed, say, here's an example, this is where we're not going to comply. Not, we're going to send the National Guard to the borders and we're going to keep kick your federal troops out. Not that. Just simply, you want us to do this, we don't think it's in the best interest of our state, we're declining. No, you're not going to fine us. No, you're not going to anything. We're sorry. That's under our control. And if we can get these three states doing that, I think, again, momentum's built. And we start to see other people in other states going, hey, why don't we have that? Why do we have to tolerate this crap? California probably will never happen. I, I think there's too much wackiness in L.A. and San Francisco. There's a lot of good people in California. You guys might need to break away from California. You know, everything that's outside of San Fran and L.A. may just need to go, okay, you guys are Calif- West California, and we're California, like a West Virginia, Virginia thing. Uh, but... With these states, what I did is I looked up the sponsors or the primary sponsors of the bill, and I'm going to put contact information for them. And just like you contacted Specter and Snow uh, and Collins and said that you were going to not support them, in fact, you might support their opponents, even though you're not in their states, that they work for you. These people, these three people I'm about to give you now, they're doing the people's business. And they might only be state reps, but they're doing something that apparently no one other than Ron Paul in the federal house has the balls to do. They're standing up. And I want you to call them and I want you to thank them. Or send them an email and thank them. And you know what? If you can afford it, Give them five bucks, ten bucks to their campaign funds. 
Because we need to stand up and unite behind the people that will actually do the damn right thing. And here they are. It's Dan Itza, or Itzy, or it's, it's hard to pronounce his name in New Hampshire. And I, I've got a video of Dan on Glenn Beck that I'll post a link to, and I'll post a link to his contact information. Dan is absolutely an outstanding individual. Please let him know how much you appreciate him standing up for the Constitution in a meaningful, relevant way. Here's another person that you need to contact. Judy Burgess in Arizona. Yes, it is a female, folks, out in Arizona that stood up and said, we in Arizona honor the Constitution, and we expect you to, too. Judy Burgess, salute out to you, folks. Let her know you appreciate her. Charles Key in Oklahoma. Get in touch with this guy, too. The Oklahoma resolution is extremely aggressive. And let these folks know. Now, here's the other, the final thing I want to leave you with today about why these things matter, why they're important, why they actually have some legs. The words in them primarily come from three places. Source one is the ninth and tenth amendments of the United States Constitution. Unaltered from the document directly into the resolutions. That is grounding by the core law of the land. The rest of the verbiage mostly comes from similar resolutions that were written by Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. One of the things that's overlooked about Jefferson is after he served as president, he went back and again served in his state. Now imagine that. Going back and serving at the state level after you were the president of the United States. Do any of these clowns today... Would they do that? Can you imagine Bill Clinton going back to the state house in Arkansas? Or George Bush to Maine? Or Texas? Or wherever the hell he thinks he's from. I'm talking about George 1. Or George 2 going back to Texas, because he's pretty sure where he's from. At least I'll give him that. Carter going back to Georgia to serve in the Georgia state house. You know, Obama going back to the Illinois House. Hell, he didn't even want to be there when he was there. It was just a stepping stone to the presidency. That's the kind of leadership we need. But Jefferson started to see some encroachment by the federal government that far back in history and drafted a resolution for his state. And so did James Madison. And the language in these resolutions comes almost exclusively... And there's some other things to modernize them, but it's quotations from these three sources. And that has legal precedent and grounding in the core law of the United States of America. Now folks, I say that in this show we're going to talk to you about how to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. And I think I fulfill that commitment to you. And I talk at least one out of every two shows over the course now of almost 150 shows. At least one out of two has been something like storing food, gardening, um, how to how to hunt, how to fish, how to forage from the land, how to build things, how to do things, different options you have for alternative energy sources and things like that. And I know some of you, when I talk about politics or I talk about economics, you grow weary. But the two are so intertwined with each other. And I believe that right now we have a chance to do something great. 
and I want to be as honest with you as I was yesterday. If this thing gets real legs, if 25 states pass it and mean it, and draw the line in the sand and hold the line, and tell the Fed, no more. This is it. You've gone far enough. If states start to say, you know what, we're taking back our state education systems. We're not letting you put federal mandates into our educational systems. We know how to educate better than you do. If states start to say, you know what, we're deporting illegal aliens from our freaking state. All right, you won't let us deport them to Mexico or to Spain or to Canada or to Iraq or Afghanistan or Japan or wherever the hell they came from. Because if you're here illegally, I want you out. All right, plain and simple. I want you out. And we're not going to have them burdening our, our education system. We're not going to have them burdening our health care systems. They're going. And you know what? If if State X is still involved with, you know, hasn't passed a similar resolution, we're going to deport this guy from here to Maine. And we'll put him on a Greyhound bus with a hundred of his buddies, and we're going to drive him to Maine and open the door and say, get out. <laughs> and maybe we should take him to D.C. What if all the states in the Union... Right? That have had enough, especially Arizona, Texas, and California, that have had enough of illegal immigration, started every time they find an illegal in their state, just putting them in a room, feeding them well, taking good care of them, giving them water, whole nine yards, right? And say, we do not have the authority to deport you to Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, whatever your country of origin is. That is the federal government's responsibility. However, we as a sovereign state hereby deport you from the state of California. Upon return, you will be incarcerated for a period of no less than 10 years. Do not come back to California, Texas, whatever, fill in the blank. Loaded them up on a couple of Greyhound buses once a week. Drove them right down in the freaking Capitol building. Open the freaking door. Get out. Get out. Don't come back. Get the hell out. Get out. But my family, I don't care. Get out. Go talk to those guys in that round-ass building over there and ask them what they need to do with you. What if we did that for a while? What kind of statement would that make? And that's where this type of thing can lead to. And what I want to be honest about is it won't all be fun and games. It sounds great. And eventually, we can go back to a constitutionally based republic where majority rule respects minority right. And the right of the individual is sovereign above all else. And no man is persecuted for the color of his skin, or his race, or his creed, or his religion. But no man is allowed to take any of those things and use them as an excuse to force beliefs and or conformance on anybody else. And you might look back to the foundation of our country and say, hey, you know, we had a lot of equality at the time, and we did. But the Constitution was drafted to lead us out of that inequality. Drafted to bring us away from that inequity. It was the Constitution allowing for amendments to itself that eventually made slavery illegal, even though it was an excuse for the Civil War, because every other nation that ever abolished it did it without bloodshed. It was the Constitution that led to we will give women the right to vote, which should have been obviously right from the beginning, but it was the Constitution that took us there. It was the Constitution that made us America. Because, folks, in 1776, when we declared our independence, we weren't much. 
No one at the time would have believed that this little ragtag group of colonists from all these different parts of the world and all these different parts of England with all our differences, with all our discrepancies, and with so little as far as wealth would ever become the United States of America. But it was the Constitution that made us that way. And if you want to live a better life, then we need to bring it back. And it's as much a part of living a better life as eliminating your debt, being prepared for the worst, and all the other things that we talk about. It is the guardian of your liberty and my liberty and the liberty of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren yet to come. And if we don't stand up for it today, it will not last for your grandchildren. It may not be here for your children. The Constitution is being turned into a dusty archive document. Something that we look at and go, that's nice, but it doesn't control our society any longer. We think it's no longer relevant. People say, well, why does that matter? And they don't even think about what they're saying. Why do you have a problem with that? They don't even think about what they're saying. It's up to you to turn the tide. And I believe that we can do that if we start with what's going on and we grab onto something that's working. I was looking for something for us to develop, for us to get involved with. I think I found it. I'm going to ask you, as my audience, to please consider contacting at least three these three folks and telling them what you think and telling them that you appreciate them, and telling them you appreciate them doing the people's business. This has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. You can scream, and you can holler, it really doesn't matter, because it all gets spent.